Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Greg. My wife and I, Sherry, and Mother Carol have been coming here for about a year, and I was assigned the topic of missions. So, I'm going to speak about missions. Uh, I think we can come up with lots of different ideas when we think of missions, and maybe missionaries. Um, maybe you think of people more like this, kind of crammed in, you know, that's not, there's nine people. There's nine people on that little motorcycle. And, and kind of, I think it was Fernando Bachelor said, uh, he had like 10 people crammed in a car with no brakes. So a lot of times it is kind of very rural areas making do. I don't know that you put a kid in a bucket, typically. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? And actually, I forgot to pray. I'm going to pray before we start, okay? Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for your goodness. Please guide uh, me and, and guide the teachers and help us share your word faithfully. And, and, I just, and Tyler, during the service as well, we, we thank you for this day. Amen. Amen. So there's a family. Sometimes we think of that. Or, or sometimes I used to think of people like in the middle of, of nowhere, the jungles of Africa. And do you know what that guy's doing? He, he's eating monkey brains. He's eating monkey brains. So maybe you think kind of... Hey, who said Indiana Jones? That's... Yeah, thank you. And I, I don't think I would eat monkey brains as happy as him. I think I'd have, yeah, I'd have more of this expression kind of, <laughs> kind of frightening. Uh, but I think a lot of times we do think that like, and it is, I don't know if you're eating monkey brains, but a lot of times you are in very rural, remote areas like that. And Tyler, I forgot, how do I... I don't have another slide for quite a while. How do I get this off the screen? <laughs> Sorry, I should have prepared that. I could just, I can go back to the beginning. Because I don't have a lot of slides and I don't want people looking at that lady the whole time. Looking at the monkey brains the whole time. Let's go back to the beginning. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. So I get to talk about missions and monkey brains. I won't talk much more about. But I want to talk about kind of, well, let's go back to the beginning. This is kind of a, a big picture view. We're going to go 10,000 feet here and start looking in the book of Acts and the biblical mandate to be involved in missions. And then a little bit about missions around the world today. Who knows what, what passage is known as the great, there's two actually known as the Great Commission. Where's that found? Does anybody know? Matthew 28, 28, verses 18 through 20. And I have that up, so I'm going to read that. This is Jesus after his resurrection. He said, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, and also Mark 16, 15, the Great Commission. Jesus is telling his disciples, go. Baptize, make disciples all over the world. Now I'm going to read something. I, I, anybody go to the website, gotquestions, gotquestions.org? It's a great website. It has a lot of good information, answers Bible questions in a very biblical, solid way. I did a little search and said, Great Commission on Got Questions. And I'm going to read a little excerpt of what they said about the Great Commission. Many understand Acts 1.8 as part of the Great Commission as well. 
And that says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission is enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be Christ's witnesses, fulfilling the Great Commission in our cities, Jerusalem, our states and countries, Judea and Samaria, and then where anywhere else where God sends us to the ends of the earth. So throughout the book of Acts, we see how the, the apostles began to fulfill the Great Commission as outlined in Acts 1.8. First, Jerusalem was evangelized. That's for chapters 1 through 7. Then the Spirit expands the church to Judea and Samaria, Acts 8 through 12. Finally, the gospel reached the ends of the earth in Acts 13 through 28. And we continue that today. We continue that today as we are ambassadors for Christ and we plead on Christ's behalf on be reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians. So we see the beginning of the local church, of course, and missions in Acts. And there are many ways now that I want to talk about. I'm going to talk a lot about the local church as I talk about missions because there are many ways that missions in the local church partner together in doing God's work all over the world. But there has to be a base. There has, so let's, let's go to Acts chapter 2. I need someone to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Because this sets a base for the local church being able to do missions. Rex has Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, thanks. So I think we take from this verse that we all need to sell all our possessions and live in the church. <laughs> Tyler, is that correct? Uh. Well, but no, it's seriously, what we see here is, is it's the beginning of the church, and it's a very close-knit church, close-knit community. They're getting taught in the word. They're growing in the Lord. They are sharing their possessions. You know, they're covering everyone in the church's needs. They're taking care of each other. They're covering their needs. They're thankful. They have good favor with all people, even those outside the church. Uh, we're going to be some persecution coming later, but they have good favor with all people, and they're growing in number. And, and they were developing a strong base, and from there, we see them go out to the rest of the world. So it starts with having the strong local church and the strong base here, and then they went out to the rest of the world. And it wasn't always by choice that they went out. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were arrested, and they had to appear before the counselor, uh, council, I should say. So it was here that they started praying for boldness, boldness to share Jesus, because it was starting to get a little harder, right? A little pushback. Then in Acts 7 and 8, it's the stoning of Stephen, and the persecution of the church, and, and Christians were scattered. And I love what Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So God kind of shoved them out of their little nest, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And they went teaching the word. They didn't just go to hide. They went because they were scattered by persecution, but they went bringing the gospel to other parts and preaching the word. So, uh, and then in Acts chapter 9, as we, Paul comes onto the scene and eventually we're going to talk a little bit about his missions, trips, and Paul, a big part of the church at that point, of course, as well. And it, I want to go to Acts chapter 13. I need someone to read Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Because we're going to look at briefly at the first missions trip, the three missions trips recorded for Paul. Joseph, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says, Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. All right, thank you. That, this, again, the church praying over and sending out two mature believers from the midst because the Lord had called them to go. He had called them to go out and to preach the gospel. And this is, I think this is a great picture of how the local church can partner with God's heart and mission. They should be up, the local church is training people up, right? To go, whether it's next door to our neighbors, <clears throat> excuse me, or whether it's across the world, the local church is the training, teaching the word and letting and the people are going out from there and sharing. So, so let's, real quick, Paul's missionary journeys. I looked this up and I was just amazed. Over the course of his ministry, how many miles? Oh, and I forgot to say one thing. If you have any questions or comments, just say it, because I, I, I'll ask if you do, but I don't know if there's real easy spots for me to do it, but just ask a question, anything. And if I can't answer it, I'll point to Tyler. <laughs> but uh, how many miles do you think Paul traveled in the course of his missionary, or course of his, his uh, ministry? What do you think? Just, anybody have a guess? 12,000. 12, you knew this. No. <laughs> He cheated. He, well, it was said that he, I don't know if they could map it exactly, but it was said over 10,000 miles, Paul traveled. And that's amazing to me because we, we, just, we just got back from going to Oklahoma. <clears throat> we drove through Kansas and it seemed like 10,000 miles to Kansas. <laughs> My wife's from Kansas. Don't tell her that. He didn't have a car. Exactly. So I was thinking 10,000 miles, that's two or three oil changes, right? And... and <laughs> And he walked, so he took it very serious, God, uh, Jesus' command, go, make disciples of all nations. I can't imagine how many pairs of sandals he went through at that point. Well, doesn't, that, doesn't that include, like, uh, traveling with boat, too? Yes. I, I, I imagine you're right. So he still needed lots of sandals, but then, no, you're right. Oh, yeah, no. Sure no. no, you're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 40 years. Yeah. You're right. So he traveled over 10,000 miles. Uh, how many churches do you think that we know of, from what I read, at least how many churches do you think Paul established? All, all the time. Well, that, this says 14, at least 14 that we know, but there, there might be more. So he, he hoofed it and boated it over 14, over 10,000 miles, established at least 14 churches. 
And here's a real, I'm going to talk real quick about his first missionary journey. And this, Tyler always says this, but it's probably going to be hard to read, <laughs> hard to look at the screen, but it's his first missionary journey and his second missionary journey. Just if you can get the overall picture of the areas that he went and how far he went back then. Uh, but this was answering God's call to proclaim Christ. Paul and Barnabas left the church in Antioch in Syria. And Paul's ministry, the first missionary, Paul's ministry to the Gentiles brought controversy. Remember, it brought a little controversy on how, on who could be saved and how they could be saved. Because, uh, well, let me just go ahead. Because between his first and second journeys, he actually was in a conference in Jerusalem discussing the way of salvation. And the final consensus was the Gentiles could receive Jesus without submitting to Jewish traditions. Because probably guys remember that the Jews wanted to make them follow the law. And they were like, well, we couldn't follow the law. Why are we going to put that on these guys? So Paul brought the gospel to the Gentiles on that first missionary journey. And his second one is, boy, I should have brought my glasses. It's the purple is where he's going out. And the red is how he comes back. But it was the second one after another staying in Antioch. Uh, Paul was ready to take a second missionary journey. And again, who remembers? There's lots of things that happened on Paul's missionary journeys. But before this second missionary journey, something important happened. Does anybody remember? Paul and Barnabas split up. Paul and Barnabas split up. And we know why Paul, because of John Mark, right? Uh, Paul was ready to go, and him and Barnabas were ready to go, and, and Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, and Paul said, no, we, <laughs> we can't take John Mark. He, he bailed on us the first time, right? And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And um, I, I, I think that's a fascinating story, and I kind of am always interested in Christians' take on who's right or who they would more lean towards. You know, Paul, who's more, we got to get this done. We, we need dependable people, or Barnabas, once he's named son of encouragement or something. So it's more like, no, we need to bring John Mark along and, and keep him involved in the ministry. So they had the separation over that. Does anybody have any comments? Who you're more like? I was just thinking, like, it's fascinating, too, because, like, in other epistles, didn't Mark end up being, like, really good to the point where, you know, Paul was, like, endorsing him and saying, yeah. Yeah, he was saying, bring John Mark to me, right? Because he's useful to me. So he did get restored, didn't he? So, yes, sir. On the one hand, you, you have a ministry, you want it to run smoothly, you want everything to be nice and easy, and so you, you it's like, yeah, I, I want to have dependable people. On the other hand, as a uh, chronically undependable person at times and places, <laughs> uh, I could definitely see why uh, Barnabas was like, hey, you know, this guy just needs more more training. He needs to be brought up in a way that's going to be, you know, so that he can become someone who is dependable. And as as uh, Joseph mentioned a second ago, by the end of his life, Barnabas was 100% right with that. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's interesting. And, and we know that God used this, obviously, because double the double the work, right? They covered double the places, so. And I, I've always kind of, I've changed my thinking a little bit. I used to be more like Paul. Sorry. <laughs> we just got to get it done, but, but you can see how God used Barnabas, obviously, to keep restoring people, so. It was, it was interesting, but God used it, and these guys went out on their missionary journeys.
Then the third missionary journey here. Uh, this is the third journey he preached in Asia Minor. And again, you can see his, that's a lot of, that's a lot of walking, right? And uh, that's long boat rides. Wasn't it, I think the third one, he got shipwrecked. So there's all, we, you could spend a whole year talking about Paul's missionary journeys and all that happened to him. Uh, but this is just a nutshell of the first missionary journeys. And, and we also see in the New Testament, many places that some churches supported the disciples financially and some supported them through prayer. And Paul writes in many of his letters to the churches to thank them for praying for him and wanting to supply his needs. And we also see Paul was a tent maker. We'll talk about that later. He was a tent maker in a lot of places too. I think he, he said, I, I'm working so because I, I don't want you have this, to have this over me, that you're supporting me. So he did it lots of different ways, his missions, but with the New Testament churches was very much involved in missions. And with this, I'm just trying to emphasize again the relationship between missions and the local church, that they enable each other to proclaim the gospel and spread Jesus Christ to the community and around the world. Anybody have a question? Comment? Doesn't have to be a question. Well... I want to talk a little bit about missions today. Again, it's a 10,000 foot view of things. So we're going to jump ahead to today. What missionaries does Orchard Hills Bible Church support? Who can tell me, tell me a missionary? The Bastlers. Oh. The Bastlers. Where are they at? Uh, Guatemala. Ecuador. Ecuador. Very good, thank you. Anybody else? Um, Key, Radio. Key Radio. Where are they at? Oh, they have to be. <laughs> Where are they at on the dial? <laughs> no, there's one right here at Jason. 91.3 You're good. <laughs> okay, so Key Radio, the Bastlers. The Anderson sisters, Bethany and Corey, and they are in. Mexico, yes. They're doing lots of different ministries down in Mexico. She's very, well, they're both very gifted in music and lots of different studies with kids, lots of different work down in Mexico. Anybody else? Pregnancy Resource Center. Yes, Pregnancy Resource Center. That's Salt Lake City. Oh, James knew. The Pregnancy Resource Center. And there's two more. Lee Whitworth. Lee Whitworth. And he's in Utah. I he, he does lots of different things. I couldn't find a lot about him. He, does a, he pastored here, correct? Yeah, so he does lots, yeah, lots, yeah, lots of different ministries. One other couple. Frank, Frank and Roberta Curtis. They are of Cornerstone Bible Church in West Point, Utah. They were sent out of this church. Oh, I did not know that. When were they sent out? See, I'm learning all kinds of that's that's interesting. There's a rich history with the churches here. That's that's pretty cool. They're actually going to be well. Frank is going to be here in three weeks. Really? Is he going to speak? He's telling us all about their ministry and stuff. Yeah, giving us an update. Excellent. 
Well, I wish I would have known that. I would have saved all my info on until after that. That's right. Well, I'm going to show a picture, and, and <laughs> these are the missionaries, and these are pictures. This is a really easy thing. Name, match the name with the face. The couple up, the older couple <laughs> on top there. Who are they? Yeah, that's Frank and Roberta. The people next to them. Who, who, what ministry would they represent, you think? As Sam's mom and dad. Yeah. Yes. That are the Xanders. And I think that's an older picture because I don't remember ever seeing Mike with the beard down to here. But, and the baby is pregnancy center. And I don't know who that baby is, but isn't that a cute kid? Okay, uh, bottom left. Does it? Doesn't, um, doesn't he look cool? <laughs> we look at him. He's, <laughs> he's a sharp guy. But yeah, they're, they're down there next to him. Lee Whitworth and by process of elimination. Those are the Anderson sisters. The Anderson sisters have been here a few times, correct? Bethany and Corey? Yeah. They're with the mission. Actually, Sherry and I are with UIM International, and that's the same mission they're with. So they're, they're really sharp. We really like them. I'm going to tell you later, but, but it's a mission. <laughs> so I would just encourage you on the mission. These, these, are, these are your missionaries. And if we, if we attend here, these are our missionaries. So I would encourage you to pray for these folks, find out how to contact them, get their prayer requests, and, and, and be a part of, of their support team, be a part of their ministries wherever they're at. I'd encourage you to do that. And I'm going to have to go back to... Actually, I'll just leave this up. Okay, so I want to talk... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit now. I'm kind of shifting gears about the process of going into full-time missions. And it's, it's a little different for everybody for sure. But the folks we are looking at here, they, they had a long process to go into full-time missions. So I'm going, to, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to emphasize one thing as I do this is that God can use anyone <laughs> who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. God can use anyone in missions. We've been on the mission field, I think it was, Tyler said, decades. And you made me feel so old when you said that. <laughs> but it's true, it's been over two. Anytime you can you know, say something you've done in, in the term of decades, that's kind of scary. But, but I want to emphasize that God can use anyone who has put their faith in Christ. And we've, we've been over 20 years and we've, we've, seen all, we've seen all kinds of people come through. The exceptionally gifted, the type of person, and I'm relating it to radio, can, can <clears throat> go on the air, edit, clean the yard, fix the buildings, do everything. The exceptionally gifted. And, and we've seen that these are the type of folks who are more apt to burn out because missions are typically small and they're going to they're gonna use you because they need you so much. And I don't mean use in a bad way, usually. It's just... The, these are the types that will typically burn out, but they're needed, the exceptionally gifted. Uh, we've seen the, the exceptionally bold. I was with one guy. We went to a, um, he visited the island we were on. He, we went to a ministerial alliance meeting, and he was, he was witnessing to the other ministers. And he just witnessed to everybody. He witnessed to everybody, which is great. There's the shy. Those who are a little quieter. And I tend to lead more towards that. Uh, there's young, we've seen teenagers, people in their early 20s coming full-time, 
We've seen the mature, (laughs) older (laughs) people who retire. They retire and they want to serve the Lord. You know, they've spent 25 years as an accountant. They want to go somewhere and serve the Lord. They've they've come out for two, three, four years. Uh, And we've seen the exceptionally average. Just somebody who loves the Lord and, and feel God would have them go somewhere and serve him. So it's not a certain type of person. God uses, well, it is that type of person is a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's the one God can use. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the process of, of that and how God used one very average family in missions. And, and that family is my wife and I. I'm going to, going to tell you a little bit about our, our process and just a little bit of overall. So here's our first prayer card when we first went out. And I wanted Joseph, I was young at one point. And so, I've aged, Sherry looks the same. That's the best thing I can say about that. But that's, and here we are now, our last prayer card as well. So, um, So you said Alaska was your first, like, yeah, we went, we went, we went for a year in 1994 uh, to help a missionary radio station. We just graduated from Bible college. This was before that. Our daughter there was two months old when we first went to the mission field. And it was that year, I mentioned that, because that year God laid a foundation of missions, for missions on our hearts. Uh, It was there in this island in Alaska that we saw the need for people, the desperate need for people. Because I'd worked in Christian radio and there's 20 people vying for one job, you know, but there was nobody to go there and serve. So we saw the need for that. So God really laid the foundation for missions on us. And God laid a strong foundation, just on a side note, of our marriage as well. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned you went to Alaska for a year after going to Bible school. So two different questions. You have to go to Bible college to be a missionary. And then is there a set term for missions? Can I get to that? Yes. I will get to that. But to answer your first question, every mission is, is different most probably will require, require a, some kind of Bible degree. But if you go short-term and things, a lot of times you don't have to. But the missions will be a little specific and different on what they require. But yeah, and I will, I will, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You're reading my mind. Did you, read my, you didn't read my notes. You didn't have But it helped us also, just on a side note, a strong foundation for our marriage. Newly married, two-month-old, we're not an hour away from our parents anymore. <laughs> We're on an island in southeast Alaska. We had to grow up <laughs> when the babies, you know, needs. We, we really grew up and God helped lay the foundation. That's just a side note. But it was in 2001. That's where this picture is from. It's 2001 that we went full time into missions by going back to Alaska. And I want to go again, the process first is it's, it's just being called. You have to know if God is calling you to go serve him in missions full time. And our local pastor and helped us work through this. Local church, you're going to hear a lot of the local church in this process of going to the mission field. But he helped us. We, he, our pastor helped us as we told him what we thought God was leading us to do. He gave us, he knew us. He gave us wisdom, advice. So if you feel you're being called, go through your local pastor. If he's a good pastor, of course, which he should be, go through your local pastor. Uh, then it's finding a mission field. I mean, where has God... <laughs> giving you an interest to go. Bless you. For us, it was a little easier because we had been to Alaska. But do you know, in 2000, 
as we were planning to go back, we visited one other mission field before we went to Alaska. So we wanted to see if God was leading us there. And that was Key Radio. We actually visited Key Radio in 2000, stayed with the Barsoons, watched Touch by an Angel on Sunday night <laughs> with the Barsoons, and, <laughs> and visited the station. That was a great memory, but God had led us to Alaska. So what has God laid on your heart? You know, what do you have an interest in? Is it, is it Native American ministry? Is it Muslim ministry? Is it, is it in Asia? You know, is it street evangelism? What has God laid on your heart? You got to kind of, you got to find the field where God has laid that on your heart. And, and, and sending church, you need a, a solid sending church goes a long way. We've seen folks who raise support without a strong sending church. They're just kind of throwing darts. You're throwing darts aimlessly at church, not aimlessly, but you need the help of your sending church. And God blessed us with a great sending church in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, they sent us out. It's been 23 years and we're still members of that church. And, and we still talk. I still talk to the pastor. We still have friends there. We still visit there. So a, a sending church is vital because they can introduce you to other people, other pastors, and they can help get you going. And we've had that God blessed us with that for 23 years. Mission agencies, there are lots of different mission agencies out there. And many will specialize in different parts of the world. Like if you have an interest in Muslim ministry, you know, some ministries are not going to go there. If you have an interest in radio, that's going to be very limited too on what God, on the ministry. So you need to find out the different, the different areas that the mission agencies go. And, and, in all, and, and you need... The agency you're with needs to match your doctrine. You've you got to believe the same things about what the Bible says because all our agencies have, but we've had some people in those agencies who may not believe the same thing, and it just causes tension. Sir. So at what point do you draw the line? Because a lot of us have been in Pastor Jeremy's class um, taking doctrine classes. At one point, do you say... Okay, this is a degree of separation. You know, what are the what are the big things that you look for to be the same? What are some examples of stuff that you'd be like, okay, I'm gonna let that slide because obviously we're never gonna be 100 percent with everybody. Right. I would a quick answer would be to refer you to uh, Pastor Jeremy's chart. What's what's that? The doctrine chart. The what are the three categories of that? His, Primary, secondary, and doctrine. Yes. I, and that's it. This is not, I'm not passing the buck, but that, that is where I would, but everybody's going to draw the line a little differently, honestly. Some people are going to be very strict to that first. And if, if there's any, <laughs> and if like for, I'll just go to radio. Some are going to be very strict. And if they won't even do uh, outreaches to charismatic churches, I'm just throwing things out there. And some say, well, yeah, but we know we're not that way, but there's Christians there, of course, obviously, so, so we'll work with them. It, part of it's you got to decide what doctrinally and biblically is important to you. And, and I really like Jeremy's chart because most mission agencies are going to follow, are going to be pretty strict on what they believe, honestly. Primary, sec secondary kind of depends, and then tertiary or what's it called, doubtful. Doubtful, you'd say don't. Oh, I would cross, well, yeah, doubtful, you'd see, would, be, would cross off. And when you go through the application process of your, of your mission, you're going to find what they believe. You should find. 
very, very clearly what they believe. So, I'm, I'm don't know that I'm answering that fully. Okay, so, so that's the thing. You got to find a mission, and it, and it's it's not hard. It really shouldn't be hard, because we ha- we know what we believe, and you go on. You, talk to, you start talking to missions agency, you're going to know what they believe. They're going to, trust me, they're going to put you through an application process <laughs> that is going to take forever with, with, lot, with lots of paperwork, lots of paperwork. So you'll know, each other will know what they believe. Um, then, so you find the agency, then there's the training. This is just the priest. Then there's the training. We, we were going to Alaska only, right? And we spent five weeks in Michigan in training. And those were in January. Why didn't they send us in July? Maybe because we were going to Alaska, but they were getting us ready. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that that picture was actually at the uh, headquarters in Michigan. And that's a, we don't, I feel funny having my picture up there all the time. But. So you, we spent five weeks of training, and, and that's, just, that's just to go to, to Alaska. And, and if you're going to different areas of the country where maybe it's dangerous... Of course, language you, you have to learn. It can be a really long process of training. So you are going to know what, what you believe and you're going to, you have to be accepted by the mission and you guys are going to be on the same page on, on most things. And then you do all this, you feel called, God's called you. Then you don't just go. Then you have to do what's called raising support. Um, the, you are not paid by the ministry you go to. Key Radio, they don't pay us. They make us pay them. No, they. <laughs> no, but seriously, they don't pay you. So, so, so you have so all these missionaries we saw. Let me go back to them. They have, they have raised support, and I'll talk a little bit about different ways of raising support. They have all raised their monthly salary and pledges or faith promises. So that means if when we first went to the field, it was thirty six hundred dollars a month we needed to live, and I'm sure it's doubled since then. But we had to have people in churches saying they would give us $3,600 a month before they would even let us go. So yes, you're not getting paid. You have, you have to, and, that, and that's where it can be a long process. Uh, I don't know how to gauge how long it takes. Typically one to five years of raising support. Allengers, the young Allengers, they just went to the field. They were like seven or eight years. Is that right? Does anybody know? Yeah. So it can take a long time to raise that support, but uh, it's a, you visit churches, you're, you're calling churches, and you're visiting churches, and just because you speak in a church doesn't mean the church is going to support you. Uh, you're writing the letters, and you're asking for financial support, and that's a big hurdle, I think, for most people, and, and, and I understand that, but you not, not be afraid to ask, would God have you financially and prayerfully support the ministry? So, So that's a... That can be a long process, and, but that's, that's a growing process. And I'll tell you that in a minute, but it's a very grow, growing process. So let's say you spend a year getting accepted, three years raising support. Then you have to go. Anybody ever moved across country? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait till you have kids, and it'll get harder. <laughs> well, Logan, yeah, you've moved across. Yeah, across, and, and, and it's, a, it's a long process. Anybody move to another Another country, another place. Yeah, it's, it's a big process of moving, of packing. I don't need to go into that. But I will tell you, for us, we were just going to Alaska. I'll never forget the last church we spoke in was in Kansas City, Missouri, before we were headed to the field. We had our two kids. 
And we had our car. We spoke on a Sunday night. That's when they had Sunday night services. We spoke in our car, and we had so much stuff in our car. Our kids, their legs were straight up in the back, and there was a wall of stuff between them. You probably can remember. They couldn't even see each other. And so at 9 p.m., we started our journey. Oh, to be young. <laughs> we started our journey. Uh, but So imagine that being... And, and that was just the first part. Then we had to go to Seattle, buy our furniture, ship it on a barge, and then get a two-day ferry ride to get to the island where we were serving. So I can only imagine what it was like going overseas, the process, the process they go through. So that's a long process. And then you're there... And you're starting the new ministry, but you also need to keep up with your supporters because people are praying and financially supporting you. They are a part of what you're doing. So you need to contact them regularly, quarterly letters. You need to contact, keep in touch, and make sure that they're a part of what's happening so they can pray for you and know how to, how to be a part of the ministry. And then there's something called, a, it's changed over the years, a deputation or home service. Every four years, typically, the missionaries leave the field and they spend a year traveling to all the churches that support them and all the individuals do and kind of updating them on everything that's happening. Um, for us, it was a little different because we lived in Alaska. So we were able to come every year or two for shorter stints of time. So, And I tell you this, but there's there's such a peace in it. God has given, because we know you're, we know that if God ever not wants us in missions, he'll take away our support. We, we pray and be faithful to what we have, and I pray that all the time. God, if you have something else for us, you'll show us, and, and there are times God may take away the support and lead you into something else, but it's to, you have to totally trust God, as we all do, and this is just the way in missions that you totally trust God, so... And this is, this is just, and this is just a broad picture, and it's different for everybody. And some people do it differently. Some people go to the mission field as tent makers. That's Paul did that a lot, right? That's where you work a full time job, and then you help part time in whatever ministry you're at. That's perfect. That works really good for Utah. There's lots of church planners here, and they just want people to come work their job and be a part, helping the church and being in the community. Lots of different ways. So. Lots of different ways. It's kind of just between you and God. Any questions or comments? Okay. I am going to jump ahead. My wife tells me to never veer from my notes. I'm going to jump ahead. <laughs> she's, she's teaching. She's not here. It's, it is funny. I, I get in front of, and I just started living too much to where it doesn't make sense sometimes. But I just want to talk about missions. This was our little story. And then we've been on the mission field full time since 2001. We spent 10 years in Alaska where we worked at two different missionary radio stations, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, we managed, we did sports, sales, you do everything. Sherry worked at a bakery. She worked at a bakery at one point to help support us financially. And to this day, my wife is so picky on scones. <laughs> she, she always lets me know when, nope, not a good scone. 
but, but anyway, we've, we've did that. Then we spent five years from 2010 to 2015 with UIM, United Indian Missions. That is based out of Phoenix or Glendale, Arizona. So we, we spent five years. Wait, I got to back up. 2010, I, I should have stuck to my notes. In 2010, we left Alaska and we went to the Navajo Reservation where we worked for five years with a ministry on the Navajo Reservation. Again, you do a little bit of everything. Then in 2015, since then, we've been with United Indian Mission. And at one point, we lived down in the Phoenix area. We lived on the, down in Glendale, Arizona. And I will admit, there was at one point, I was, I was in, it was 100 and something degrees, and I'm sitting there in Phoenix thinking, how in the world did we end up from an island in Alaska to this inner city in, in Phoenix, Arizona. But you know what? God leads us where he wants us. And, and we got need to follow him. And, and we haven't always done that accurately, trust me. We, we've had a lot of our stumbles, but, but God will lead us. And, so, and then for the past year, we've been up here helping with Key Radio, doing lots of different things with Key Radio. Uh, and this is just our story. Missions is very diverse. I'm going to take you to a website real quick. Avant Ministries is just one mission agency based out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And they, had on their, they, they have on their slide, I'll show you in a minute, it says, go, give, send, pray. Go, give, send, pray. And, their quest, and they don't ask the question, how, should you be involved in missions? Their question is, how are you going to be involved in missions? Are you going to go? God needs people to go. Are you going to, are you going to give? People aren't going unless people are giving. Are you going to send? Are you going to help get that missionary onto the field? When we first went, we had people, friends in Kansas City, they held dessert nights for us where we had people over. We played Alaska games and, and presented our ministry. Are you going to pray? People aren't going unless you're praying for them. <laughs> and that's, that's last on the list, but we know that's the most vital. So uh, the question is not a if you should be involved in missions, but how. And this one website had 68, 68 places to serve on this website, 68. I'm going to read you a short sample, oops, a short sample of what, of the 68 openings on one mission website. They need a camp counselor in Alaska, Muslim media presenter, IT web specialist in Spain, leadership training in Southern Asia, regional member care provider, church planning in Western Asia, business professional in Central Asia, street ministry in Bolivia, church planting in Thailand, horse wrangler in Alaska, and dorm parent in Germany. So there are, if you, God has gifted all of us in different ways. It, God can use your gifts on the mission field. God can use your gifts on the mission field. And there's lots of different ways to go. Somebody asked that. There's different ways to go. Full-time, a lot, of, a lot of people go for six months to two years. A lot of retired folks do that. They'll come, like I said earlier, and they'll come for six months or two years. Uh, some people will come for a summer, for a month, four weeks. Is anybody, is anybody ever, I should ask, <clears throat> I know um, Jim and Sandra were full-time missions for a while. Has anybody else been on a missions trip or, or has taken kind of missions trips? Where'd you go? Okay. Was that a good experience, I take it? Yeah, it was a really good experience. Yeah, I did that like two years in a row. Logan? 
Yeah. And went up through the Andes. And What'd you do there? Tripped, just tripped around, and we met with a, a local, somebody that we had been put in contact with, one of the Christians there. And we were thinking of moving to Peru, actually. Okay. So we never made it that far. Right. But. Well, I think the church is happy, but <clears throat> that's cool. Tyler, did you raise your hand? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Where, where'd you go? We, I went to Kanab, I think it was my first one, for a vacation Bible school. Went up to Wyoming to do some camp ministry. Um, went to the Mideast and did some stuff. Wow. Went down to Mexico for a couple weeks a year for four years when I was a teenager. And then church planting here in Utah up in Ogden. You've been busy. That's, that's awesome. <coughs> so lots of different ways to go. Is somebody raising their hand? No. Jerry? What? Yes? I thought you were. Toke? What would you do in Toke? Okay. Yeah. Well, we lived in Glen Allen. Jerry and I have something in common. We lived in, part of our mission in Alaska was in Glen Allen. And you're... Yeah, I went up to help build the ABC dorm up there. Yeah. That was my first one. That's cool. And yeah, the an interesting thing, you know, I lived with Wayne up there in Toke all summer long in his backyard in his shed. <laughs> in their shed. It was very interesting. Learning experience. Yeah. They're not all angels. It's good you brought your hand <laughs> No, they're not all angels. <laughs> but, but it does open your eyes, doesn't it? To the work, and it opens your eyes to the, the just the average people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the biggest lesson I've learned, that they are, they're just people. Very much like oneself. Yeah. You can always see yourself in many of those places. So I encourage everybody to, to, to visit, go on a missions trip, see, see what God is doing firsthand. There's nothing like seeing it and being a part of it. We even had, we, you could even go for a week. It was a, uh, a couple years ago, we took a family, a, a Lewis family, they're the Lewises, we took them to Alaska with us for a week. 
because he's an engineer and he installed a new computer system at the radio station. And you know, it's two years later and, and they're close to headed back to the mission field full time. So God can open your eyes. God can use you in, in a week and maybe longer, maybe longer. So. Sir, uh, what year did you say that you first got connected with Key Radio? Well, we first moved here a year ago. We first got, we first learned, we visited them in 2000, in 2000, 20, 22, three years ago, we first wow. heard I of them. I didn't know Key Radio even existed that time. Are they 45 years? Yeah, 45, but Charlie um, was better, but like 35, I want to say. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Shar's been with, I think, for 40 plus years, or the ministry, but yeah. So they've been here quite a while. Was it not your parents that started? Oh, I haven't But he bought it and then gave it to... BMW. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a good history. There's always a good history. How God brings a station into a ministry into effect. So. Ralph Neighbors. Okay, Ralph who? Ralph Neighbors. Ralph Neighbors. I think radio used to be a rock station too, wasn't it? Back in the day. I've heard stories from Mike and Heather about some of the things they found <laughs> in the yard and stuff. So, but, um, so I'm going to end, <clears throat> my time's about up, but I, I just want to end with um, a, challenge, a challenge I gave to, I was able to go to Calvary University in January. That's where she, my wife and I met. At, it was Calvary Bible College at the time. And that's where Pastor Jeremy is went to Bible college. I think it was still Bible college when he was there, but Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. So I was able to, to share a little bit about missionary radio. So I'm going to just kind of finish with that. And if I say radio, it, it applies to everything. But missionary workers at these radio stations, they do a lot more than radio. They drive school buses, coach Little League, work in troubled youth homes, volunteer firemen, serve in churches numerous ways. See, missions is ju not just about doing a single thing, but being committed to following Jesus in every area of your life. Like, I know anywhere you go, you're not just sitting behind a studio or like a pastor in a small town. He's just not sitting in his office. He's doing everything. Look at all the things Jeremy does with, with all the podcasts and debates and everything he does. You're not just sitting. You're, it's every aspect of your life. Like Tyler, it's every aspect. And that's the same in missions. You're not just going there to talk on the radio an hour a day. You're 
you're doing every part of your life, you're, you're serving the Lord in that way. So, so go give, send, pray. And I think you'll know the answer to this. Do you know what the biggest need in all of these missionary radio stations or missions is? Yes, but that's not what I wrote in my notes, but you're right. Boy, you guys are all better than me on this. Prayer and people. They need people, right? Oh, can somebody read? I have one more little verse. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Okay, someone said they had it. Yes. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of disease. <coughs> Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and spirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So, yeah, I mean, people, there's needs. All around us, Utah is a unique place. <laughs> it is just a unique place. That we're in a <coughs> plopped right here in a big mission field, and, and we need people. That's a big thing that I've heard a lot of the church planners in Utah say. We just need Christians up here. We just need Christians up here to work, to live, to serve in local churches. We just need Christians, and that's, and that's every mission field. They just need people, people who are committed to serving the Lord and willing to go and do whatever God may call them to do. So, um, as, as the hymn says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. So wherever you're anchoring now, that's wonderful. It's temporary. So uh, serve the Lord where you're planted and wherever he may send you. Just be open to that. So That's all I've got. Is there any other comments or questions or uh, thoughts? Or if not, we're going to beat the kids to the... The snacks. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day again. Thank you so much for your goodness and your love and for your heart for people. Help us. We Help us serve you where you have us and where you may be leading us. And we, uh, we just, I pray again for this service that you would be glorified and that your word would uh, continue to touch lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>